welcome back to Art Watch Podcast. I'm your host, Tori, and it is so great to be back on a relatively consistent schedule. So, let's see, there's quite a lot to cover. So today we're going to be talking about Legia Clark, but before I jump into that, I just want to briefly discuss all of the different platforms the podcast is now on. So, if you follow me on Instagram and Twitter, remember, at Artwatch Podcast is the handle, um, then you will know that we recently just got put on Spotify, and I'm working on getting the podcast up to... Let me check my list. Oh! Apparently now it's on Amazon, so that's really cool. And it's going to be on Pandora, TuneIn Alexa, iHeartRadio, Player FM soon. I was having a little bit of trouble with that one. But it's also on other podcast apps such as Stitcher, Podcast Addict, and Deezer. So hopefully in less than two weeks, I'll finally be able to say wherever you get your podcasts. So very excited for that. And just keep an eye out. This weekend, I'm going to try and get the website put together, as well as um, the merch. Definitely the website, maybe not the merch. We'll see what happens. I have quite a bit to do. It is tax season, no less, and doing all that boring, boring stuff. But nevertheless, it's part of uh, being in the US, I guess. Anyway, so yes, keep an eye out for the podcast being available everywhere soon, and It's also available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, of course, Podbean, because that's the host site, and of course, now Spotify. So if you aren't already, make sure you're following and downloading those episodes. Actually, sorry, subscribing to whatever platform you're listening on, and then if you download those episodes, because that'll help me when I go and try and get sponsors, which hopefully comes up soon. Yeah, I would like to at least have, like, some sort of, like, paid ad where, you know, making a little bit more money off of it. And of course, um, if you have been on the Instagram page lately, then you'll know that the link now under my bio is a link tree. And so now if you have been using the Podbean app, but you want to switch to something else, all you have to do is go to that link in the bio and there'll be a fun little link tree. I made it blue because I thought it, it matched the Instagram quote aesthetic. Um, and when you click on it, it's going to take you to the Patreon, so you can check out all the different Patreon levels. It will also take you to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and of course, Podbean. Now, as they get more, I'll see if I can upload to Amazon Music Audible. I'm not quite sure how that one works specifically, since that only just appeared today. So I'll look more into that, and hopefully within the next episode or two, I'll be able to let you know how to do that. And then with TuneIn Alexa, I think that that's the one where you like say, hey, Alexa, and then something pops up. I don't know how it's going to work for this podcast. We'll figure it out together. But definitely check out that new link. If you aren't already, I would absolutely love it if you were a patron. And there's a bunch of different levels. I have, let's see, I have the first tier, which is $3 a month that gets you just as a general thank you of being a patron and supporting the content creation, that's called the Friend of Art Watch. Um, the $6 tier, Art Watcher, is general support on um, this content creation part, patron shout out on all of our episodes, shout out to Caitlin, my very first patron. Um, and then you'll also get close friends on Instagram. So if you are, which right now is only Caitlin, um, she's probably getting tired of seeing just the one story. But um, 
basically I'll try and um, if I'm going to museums, uh, put on the museums that I'm visiting, any behind the scenes of recording the episode, editing the episode, things like that. And then I'll have fun polls for those patrons. And yeah, so it'll kind of develop as I get more patrons and yeah. So we'll, we'll see how that develops too. And then the next level is the art lover. It'll be general support, patron shout out, close friends on IG, and then you'll start to get merch discounts and sales. So as soon as I get that merch website up, which fingers crossed this weekend or next weekend at the latest, then I'll be able to have a bunch of really cool things. Um, pins, like the little button th- pins, were tossed out as an idea to me and I love buttons and I think it would be cool the podcast logo design that was created by um, my friend Margarita. She did a wonderful job and I think it would look fantastic on a button or maybe a magnet, things like that. And then of course I want to see about hoodies, beanies, stuff like that, that I know I would love and I would like to to have so hopefully you guys would like that too if you have any ideas for merch that you would want just go ahead and email them to me my email is artwatchpodcast at gmail.com and i would absolutely love to take your input so the next level is 30 dollars a month it's an, it's called art expert and you'll get the general support patron shout out close friends on ig merch discount exclusive content so that'll be posted on the patreons for those members and then you'll actually get a free piece of merch once a season. So that'll be spring, summer, fall, winter. Um, It'll be so like basically once a quarter and it'll be a sticker, mug or tote. And um, I'll change the designs. You'll have your option of it for the time being. Like I said on the last episode, um, it's all going to be through that merch website. And then, yeah, you'll get a email from me and you'll have a little code type it in you get your free merch and it's a big thank you for me for you being a a supporter of the podcast and you get a cool piece of swag with it and then the next one is the final tier it's called art scholar so basically everything that is on the other tiers and on top of the already free um sticker mug or tote for once a quarter You'll also get a t-shirt during the summer, so a really cool design, which will change every year, and the same thing for the other ones. And during the fall, you'll get a hoodie. So that's super cool. I think I have a jacket obsession and a t-shirt obsession, so I figured I'm certain everybody else out there would love a t-shirt or a hoodie. Um, I know that's very probably not true, but I really hope you guys like a t-shirt and a hoodie. Um, So yeah, keep an eye out for those designs and... Yeah, there's going to be lots of cool stuff coming up, and I really appreciate everybody who has been along with me on this rather winding road journey, whatever you'd like to call it. Um, But yeah, thank you so much. So now that I got all of that fun, logistical stuff out of the way, let's talk about our artist for today, Ligia Clark. So we are going to Brazil. Um, (laughs) I don't know why I said it like that. But Ligia Clark was a Brazilian artist. She was born October 23rd, 1920, and she died April 25th, 1988. She was active in the constructivist movements of the mid-20th century and in the Tropicalia movement. And then later in her career, she gets into like this more like art therapeutic, um, 
practice. And we'll talk about a little bit about that later with her sensorial masks. And then the, I think it's called the I and you. Um, but her constructivist work is quite similar to a lot of other artists in the period where it's really pulling from European geometric abstraction. A lot of these artists were either traveling to Europe or there was some sort of exchange that's coming over, like they're coming in contact in Brazil with artists from Europe. And so there's this intense dialogue that's happening, um, which we might think of as like the sort of globalization of art and the production of art and of course even art history. So I would hate to really pigeonhole her as like quote copying or like mimicking what's happening in Europe because that's not the case. Like I, I think a lot of people um, who maybe aren't so familiar with um, not necessarily her work but Brazilian constructivism they'll probably, or let me pull back for a sec. I know a lot of times when discussing Latin American art history, scholars like to root it in the European tradition, which I mean, to some degree, it's like, yes, they're pulling from it, but they're recontextualizing it in a completely different way. And it has a different meaning in the context of Latin America and the respective countries that um, it's being produced in. And in a general context, constructivism really begins in Russia and then it spreads throughout Europe. And then as we have immigrants coming to Latin America for various reasons, many being um, issues of war with the World War One, World War II, World War Two, excuse me. Um, and you have this dialogue between artists from around the world and it's being contextualized here. And Clark, she, when she does this in her painting, she has these very precise lines. There is a specific balance of her colors and shapes and it's, it might look chaotic, but it's actually incredibly planned. And um, she uses a lot of dynamic lines in her, in uh, her constructivist paintings. And it's, it's more along, it, it's more phenomenological. And even though there's these new experimentations with the medium itself using like different types of paints things like that it's still very thought out and it's still it's still very specific she eventually becomes involved with the neoconcretist and becomes very well known for her things called bichos which means like little critters and she gets these flat planes of metal and she has them hinged in a certain way where they fold it's centered on viewer experience and she views these as non-precious objects and they're meant to be played with by the viewer. And because it's a non-object and because it's interactive, she has, it's a sort of unlimited set of shapes that you can make out of these. They vary in size, some are smaller, some are large. I had the opportunity to see one of her larger ones that's in the MFAH collection and they make like this creaking noise and whether or not that was the artist's original intention is something to kind of debate and if you ever have the opportunity to play with some of hers I know a lot of museums that have her works or that exhibit her work in a larger exhibition with the bichos they will do like recreations that the audience can handle because like the artist had originally intended she wanted the viewer to have that experience with the work itself and every time you fold it or shape it, it turns into something completely different. There's technically an infinite number of possibilities, but of course, you know, like who's counting. But the idea was that each time it's 
it's created by the viewer, the work itself is changed. And there, I believe it's based off of like partial circles, triangles, and rectangles. And as you move it, it creates these interesting shapes and they're meant to be viewed in the round. So um, if you're not familiar with what that means, basically it means you can walk entirely around the sculpture, whether it's big or whether it's small. And ultimately these works have a sort of life of their own, which is I think why she called them bichos or critters. So yeah, they're these really neat works. They reflect in the light because they have that nice metallic sheen. When conservators and curators and I think they're called preparators, but basically the, the people that are putting the show together, when they handle it, they have to actually wear gloves for these because of like how delicate they are to the surface. And that's why with the ones that are surviving, they don't let the audience touch them anymore because they're so few. And when the artist died, of course, the value of her works went up. And now these are seen as precious objects, despite the artist viewing them herself as non-objects. So that's kind of where you get this interesting tension between conservation and the practice of art itself. So most collections now, if they have the uh, possibility, they'll just recreate little small ones that the audience can interact with. And over time, those ones, they break, they deteriorate, they have like chips on them I've seen um, from some like uh, archival material. And yeah, so it's kind of dependent upon how much like um, a gallery, collection, exhibition, whatever is view it, um, exhibiting these works, sorry, how much money they have. And of course, you also have to go back to the rights of the foundation. So lots of fun bureaucratic stuff behind the scenes. But yeah, no, they're really neat. And if you ever get the chance to view them, you definitely should. I do know, or at least I think that there's one on view at MFAH at the moment. Although make sure if you do go, please wear a mask. Although I'm sure you guys already do that when you go out. Um, so yeah, and also later in her career, she becomes really interested in art therapy, the unconscious, and this sort of awareness of the body, specifically with the senses such as touch, hearing, and smell. And in her work, um, she in some of these works, she has like these weird rubber suits and masks that kind of disorient the participant. And they're very performative. And the viewers is sort of expected to not just participate, but actively feel the way it they change your senses. And I, I saw one video of it and I couldn't for the life of me find it for this, but you can see like the people putting on the mask and it kind of reminds me of like, if you were ever in like high school and your, your school did like dare week and then your one science teacher gives you like the drunk goggles and it kind of looked like that. Like people were kind of figuring out how to walk with it. Like sometimes I think on some of the masks there were like no, like you couldn't see through them or others. It was like the disorienting. It was a little bit hard to tell. Oh, and that was called her sensorial masks. And then she has another work that features these weird sort of rubbery plastic looking suits that have this sort of almost kind of like the old style space people vibe to it. Um, and it's called The I and the You. And it, this was a performance with um, somebody else and herself and basically, or sorry, not herself, but there were two people performing. They're like connected through this, like it almost looks like an umbilical cord, but it's like a tube. 
Um, and there's one person in one suit, another person in the other, and it looks like only they're, like, on one suit that the mouth is open. On the other, it's kind of hard to tell in, in the pictures. I'm looking at, um, the I and the U part of MoMA's website, and there's a little bit of dialogue that, that I think was supposed to have gone with it, but there's this sort of connection between the two bodies. And so she's really delving into like these sort of strange connections of touch and hearing and being in partnership with the person around you, it looks like. And yeah, no, it's super, her work is super interesting. And unfortunately, I don't think a lot of, I, I think she's well known. Like I don't want to say she's not well known because obviously she's like one of the biggest names to come out of Brazilian art. But in the scheme of like global art history, world survey, however you want to call it, I don't think that artists like her are really ever taught. And it's a shame because she has all these really interesting ideas. She died pretty young of a heart attack. I think she was like in her mid to late 60s. So, so relatively young. It's neat that throughout her career, this sort of thread of audience participation is present and that her along with other artists of her generation are very centered on audience participation and and how that changes the work itself and how it's really pushing against what is considered art. I wasn't able to find anything on the reception of her works, but if I do, I will put them up for the episode or on one of, hey, maybe I'll use that link tree that I've got going for like just a broad Google Doc of different articles that I have access to and they should be free to everybody but unfortunately that's not how it is. So I'll I'll probably try and do a link to them and if you like that idea let me know um, before I actually do it because I, I don't know if I'll actually get in trouble for it but I mean you guys are my friends right so I'm just sharing a document with a friend and why not? So <laughs> And again, I think it's really interesting and important to note how artists like Clark are really incorporating performance into their works. And she's not the only artist in this period to have this sort of ephemeral nature to the productions of her work. And of course, we have archival footage of these as well as some, I'm sure, some of the actual suits and masks themselves as sort of evidence. But it's interesting to see how each performance is different and pushing the limits of, of what we consider art. And I definitely appreciate that in her work. So I know that I'm getting close to that usual 20 minute mark. So I think I might try and I might end it here. And if you'd like a part two for Legia Clark, I can see if there's any audience reception that I can find or maybe go deeper into the scholarly um, critique of her work. So yeah, let me know. You can email me. My email is artwatchpodcast at gmail.com. And if you aren't already, make sure you follow me on Instagram and Twitter at artwatchpodcast. And then of course, become a patron and support the creation of the podcast itself and just be a patron of the arts. And so yeah, super excited. I hope you guys enjoyed the Ligia Clark episode. I know it was pretty quick and I jumped through a lot, but I do like when the episodes are a little bit shorter and that way it fits most commutes. Um, so yeah, I hope you have a great week. If you go out to museums, make sure you're wearing your mask. I know pretty soon in Texas, masks are no longer going to be required. 
big ol' eye roll right there, but um, make sure you're going out, if you're going out, wear your mask and keep yourself safe and keep your friends safe. Although I know I don't have to tell you guys that, but if you can, tell your friends, keep it going, and have a great week.